I had a minute in my mouth because I thought we were doing testimonies, you know, because apparently that's what God was doing last week, but not this week. All right. Um, I need to be able to see people a little lighter, a little lighter. There we go. We're in the middle of talk. Oh, I'll just explain. You know, that's just, you know, God did something last week that we have never done. We had testimonies forever. Like, I don't know how many. There's a lot. But this week, just in worship, I feel like, man, God just really seems to be moved in this area. And so we had ministry right then just because we, we don't want to miss what God's doing. You know, we don't want to move away from what we sense the Spirit's doing. And so it's our best effort. And so if you came forward and you were blessed and, you know, that's God just confirming that, yeah, he's in the middle of this. And God, we know this, is that God always wants to do that. You know, so it wasn't like we took this huge risk in that direction. We just felt like there was, the songs were leading us that way. And so that's why we did what we did right there. If um, you're confused by that or you want to talk to me about it, um, you can. You're, you're welcome to do that. You can come and talk to me about that. I love to help people understand, um, even though I don't understand all the times so what God's doing at River City. We're just trying the best we can to follow him. But um, right now we're in a season. You've heard us talking about this if you've been here at all. We're talking very clearly and specifically about it tonight, the town hall meeting, um, about discipleship and this desire that we feel like God has to move River City Church into a season where he's going to really um, develop our hearts and our minds so that our lives will look more and more like Jesus. You know, and that's the reality. At the core of discipleship is Jesus' desire for us to know his love in deeper ways. You know, when we come to Christ, we're new in Christ. It says that we, it's like we're, we're fed milk. You know, it's like we're fed milk. This, like, easy diet. It's easy to drink. This is awesome. I love grace. This is fun. Gimme, 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 gimme. You know, like babies. You know, we're like babies. And then, you know, scriptures can go on to show us that there's a pattern that emerges. As we become healthier and stronger and as we mature, and that just means as we are, you know, as we are, Christians longer, as we're worshiping more, we're becoming part of the family, that we begin to, to mature in our faith. And that's what being a disciple is. And then it says that, you know, that we start to get meat to eat. We get, we get more things added to our diet. And Wednesday night is just another piece of the diet. You know, we have connect, grow, and serve. A lot of us have come into River City Church, and we've really connected with God and, uh, man, is I love that about our church. You've heard me talk about that, of where we just present the opportunity, like this morning, for people to connect with God and trust him with the results. And then um, serving on the back end of it, you know, we had, you know, just tons of people yesterday out on the street corner, out in the medical clinic, out at Hollybrook, just doing amazing things in our community, you know, and people ministering to other people in San Marco and, and, and uh, in Avondale and these other places where we all live, God is using us to serve our neighbors and to serve and love our community. And um, the middle piece, Grow, is, is, is a piece of the puzzle we really feel like we want to work on this year that God's really brought to our attention. And we love that. We love. We, again, we just want to do what God's doing. We want to make disciples. And part of that, again, is increasing our diet, increasing the substance of our diet, you know, the depth of the word that's being taught, the expression of worship that we have, the reasons we're doing some of the things that we're doing, that we would think correctly about God so that we would live in a right way. And that's really what discipleship or what Wednesday night is about. And so 
Again, as you hear me talk about that, it's in the context of this idea that we're supposed to be making disciples. Jesus is very clear. It's not something we're adding on. We've always been about this, but we're supposed to focus this year on the grow piece. The dangerous thing about this, and I talked about this um, two weeks ago when I taught, was that you know many of us, because of our history and because we're Western thinkers, we believe that to grow in our relationship with Christ means primarily to grow in our knowledge of Christ, to grow in our understanding of Christ. You know, basically, it's a cognitive effort up here. If we study more, if we learn more, if we know more, then I'm becoming more like Jesus. And certainly, that's a piece of the puzzle. But it's only a part. It's only a piece of the puzzle. We believe that there's another dimension to growing in Christ, and that is understanding the work of the Spirit in our life, being empowered by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit so that we reflect the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to talk about that today. What does it look like to, for this to work in our life? To be led by the Spirit means that we're not under the law. What is that all about? What does it mean that I'm not under the law? And I'm going to teach you today that that's a great promise of Paul. And we're going to go back to Romans and kind of look at the specifics of why that is. Why does it matter that I'm not under the law, that I'm not condemned anymore? Why, how does that affect my process and journey discipleship? And there's a great effect. The effect is... The burden of being under the law is lifted when we walk by the Spirit. And when that happens, we begin to produce fruit in our life. And that fruit is a reflection of discipleship. And that's really what we're after. And I'm going to give you a very practical example of what that looks like so that we can apply it. But um, again, I want to recap just briefly. A few weeks ago, I talked about walking by the Spirit. It's so important as disciples that we're walking by the Spirit. And it's, it's like a balloon. I, I kind of said an analogy. I wish I would have had two balloons. We're cutting back, though. We're watching our finances. I'm telling you, we are cutting way back. We just moved all of our offices here. I'm sure my office was four other people. I mean, four, I under my desk when I don't have a quiet time. It's so tight. I'm just kidding. That's not true. I'm in my own office. Everyone else is like 15 in theirs. But anyway, um, but the, the idea was that if I blew up a balloon right here and tied a knot in it, and it was a big blue balloon, okay? I tied a knot in it. And then I, I took some a, a helium, I took some helium, and I filled another blue balloon with helium. They would look, and I tied a knot in it, and they were the same size, the same color, the same everything. If I was holding them like this, and I went, and, you, and I say, which one? Which one is filled with helium? You couldn't tell, could you? You couldn't tell, because they look identical on the outside. But one of them has been given the gift of flight, the one with helium. One of them is empowered by a supernatural gas called helium that allows it to fly and do something that that balloon can't do. Even though they look the same, the power in the balloon is totally different. One balloon is blown up with the air of man, naturally blown and made into the image of what it looks like to be a balloon or it looks like Christ. The other balloon looks exactly the same, but it wasn't blown up by a person. It was blown up by something that would allow it to fly and do something the other balloon can't do under a force that can't be done. And that's the difference between walking in the spirit and, and, and doing works of the flesh. And in Galatians, Paul contrasts these things. What does it look to be, like to be led in the spirit or to be led by your flesh? It looks like this. What does it look like to walk in the spirit or to walk in the flesh? They contrast. It looks like this. On the outside, it might look the same. And he teaches us this because you can look the same, but totally be empowered by works and by your flesh. As you can by the Spirit. And it's so difficult. It's so difficult. 
It's so important that we learn this, though, because what we don't want to do is become a church where everybody's really disciplined with their life, and they're, being, they're back into the place that many of us have come from, and that is the most disciplined person wins. It's not about Jesus. It's about what I can do. It's about my discipline. It's about me studying the Bible the most, me going to church the most, me doing all of these things. And certainly those things are important, but they're a means to an end. And last week I said, you know, I say heretical things at the church all the time. Out of, and then like people say, and they take them out of context. Like last week, I, two weeks ago, I said, we're not a Bible-believing church. We're not an evangelical church. We're a charismatic church. And so like I'm sure all over the web, because we're such, you know, a powerful force on the internet, People are saying, the, the leader of River City Church says they don't believe in the Bible. They don't care about the Bible. He threw his Bible on the floor today. And one service, he stamped on it, you know, whatever, at the life course. I, don't know. I did that, but it was in context. I got, I'm not going to tell you now. But anyway, you know, and, and it's certainly we believe in the Bible. We believe the Bible study is important. We believe that being evangelical, that sharing the gospel with Christ is primary, is central to the gospel of Christ. The word of God is authoritative and inerrant, and we believe it with all of our hearts. It is our guide. But... It is a means to an end. There won't be a Bible in heaven. We'll know everything in the Bible. We'll know it all. We'll know everything in the Bible. And so it's a means to an end. So what I was saying, the most important thing is that we're led by the Spirit, that we walk by the Spirit, that we're empowered by the Spirit. Because only then does God get the glory. Only then is God glorified and people are drawn to him. How, oh, I can't say that. It's dangerous though. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say it a different way. It's dangerous, though. How many of us have Christian personalities that we almost worship? We wouldn't say we worship them, but we live our life like they, like, kind of like they live their life. There's people that we really admire. And Paul tells us in another scripture, you know, you should be like me. You should, da, 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 you know, and so it's not all bad. But many of us, we've almost placed certain Christian personalities on a pedestal. Instead of putting Christ in the pedestal, believing that I can do all things in Christ that strengthens me, that, that there's, there's unimaginable things that I can do that I can't even ask for that are greater. That's the promise of what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. Not being motivated to be like anybody else, not being motivated by our guilt or our shame, but learning to be led by the Spirit so that we will reflect the fruit of Christ and people will be drawn to Christ. I meant to say this last week. It was at the top of my paper of my sermon. And it's really what we're after in discipleship. Discipleship is not about doing the right things. Discipleship, let me say that again, it's not about doing the right things. That's what we've been taught, though. If you do this and you do this, if you're a Christian, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this. You don't do this anymore. You do this and you do this. Don't do that. You do this and do this. It's about doing the right things now. But that's not what discipleship is when we're led by the Spirit. When we're led by the Spirit, discipleship is about doing things right. Doing the right things right. In the very end of the talk today, I'm going to say, what does it mean then to love our neighbor? What does that look like in a way that's correct in being led by the Spirit? That's what we're after. Let's go back to Galatians 5, 16 to 26. If you have your Bible, it's in there. Galatians is in there, I promise. It is. It's in my Bible, at least. And um, I put it up here on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. But let's read. I'm going to read this. Don't, don't read this together. You know, you do that in a church, and just all of a sudden, boink, kicks up a notch spiritually. 
We're not doing that. All right, here we go. Plus, I like the way I sound. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. We see Paul contrasting here, okay? And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It's a system that God set up. So you won't do the things that you want to do. He's made them in direct opposition. So that when you're doing them, you'll know it. Okay, we're not talking about that today. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is where I'm going to start teaching today. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Turn the page. Is there another page? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Again, this is the contrast of those other things that we shouldn't do. Here's Paul showing their direct opposition. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so we see this pattern of Paul contrasting things. And what I said, what, it, what I taught on last time was what it looks like to actually walk by the Spirit. And what we, what we read was that walking by the Spirit is not doing, becoming like this so that the Spirit will, like, will be blessed with the Spirit. We don't have a quiet time so the Holy Spirit will come. We have a quiet time because the Holy Spirit has prompted us to have a quiet time. Okay? And walking by the Spirit is not doing Christian things so that we get the Spirit. That's not how it works. That is works theology. That's the opposite of grace. That's not what we believe. Okay? It's not what Jesus believed. It nullifies the work of the cross. Okay? So, so what we have here, and he says right here, if I live by the Spirit, I'll walk by the Spirit. And so, again, if you're doing some of those other things in your life, and you're walking by the Spirit, it's going to happen. You're not a sinner, though. You're not a sinner trying to do good things. You're a saint who still struggles with the bad things. You're a saint who still struggles with sin. But you're no longer a sinner. Once you have Christ in you, you're living by the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit. These good things of the Spirit will naturally begin to flow out. And what we said was, when we're walking by the Spirit, it's because the desires of the Spirit outweigh the desires we have in the flesh. When we walk by the Spirit, it's because the desire of the Holy Spirit in us, these things well up, they grow, and they develop within us so great that we have to respond in that direction. We want to respond in that direction because the, the desire is so great. And I said a few weeks ago that we always will do what we desire the most. We always will do what we desire the most. And we want the desires of the flesh to be suppressed with the flow and the filling of the Spirit. You know, I look at all the worship sets before they come out. And um, just to go over them with our worship leaders to see what God's doing in the worship so I can see if that should affect my talk or not. And um, I looked at Derek's set. And it's the dance set. And I'm like, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I don't feel like dancing. Man, whenever we sing these dance songs, I always have this tension in me. It's like, am I going to want to dance today? What's going on here? You know, is this, am I going to really step out and risk? Is that what God's going to do with Antley today or whatever? So I see these, and there's always this tension, right? 
like, what's God going to do? Because I always want to do what God's doing, always, you know, but I struggle. Like, I think, okay, who's here? Is there anyone here that I know for the first time that could see me jumping up and down? I think these things. I'm an evangelist. I have to. It's part of my nature, right? And so, you know, I haven't, there's been stuff going on in my life where I really haven't felt like dancing lately. I haven't felt like that's, that hasn't been part of my worship. I haven't desired that. And when we sung songs like that in the church, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't felt it, you know? And th- so today we start singing, you know, the Dancing Generation song, like, okay, here we go, Lord, or whatever you want, you know, whatever you want. And I'm kind of like bopping around. And then it just got to the point where like, oh, here we go, baby. It's, I didn't, like the, the work of the Spirit just kind of welled up. And I was like, I, wanted, I want to do this. Like, this is exciting for me. I felt God leading me in this. And then my effort as just to step into that was me walking in the Spirit. But the desire to dance came from the Holy Spirit. Who would desire, if you can't dance, to dance in front of 400 people? Nobody. Knowing that the web stream picks me up on the front row. It does. I promise. I don't want it to, but it does. You know, but that's what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit fills us, and then we step into it, and we, and we end up, hey, woo, I'm walking by the Spirit. I'm dancing by. This is what it looks like, and that's what we're after. And so what does it look like then Led by the Spirit and not under the law. In verse 18, the phrase being led by the Spirit simply makes more explicit explicit the initiative of the Spirit in the life of the Christian. Being led by the Spirit. We don't lead Him. He leads us. We're being led by Him through the stronger desires He awakens within us. Holy Spirit's in us. He awakens these desires. He shows us, my desire is to lead you. Will you follow? And when we follow, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're walking in the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit are basically referring to the same thing. Being led by the Spirit stresses the Spirit's initiative and enablement or prompting, okay? Walking by the Spirit stresses our behavior, our resulting behavior. Remember I said the sock drawer last or two weeks ago? I said, you know, it's like if you go to the sock drawer, you don't pray about what color sock to wear. But in the midst of picking socks, you see your favorite pair. And the Holy Spirit goes, boink. Oh, your brother loves that pair of socks. That's his favorite pair of socks also. And you're like, ooh, I would never, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's not me because I want to wear that pair of socks. The Spirit says, boink. There we go. There's a little love, a little compassion, fruit of the Spirit coming up. Now, what am I going to do with that? The Holy Spirit becomes so great, they go, I'm going to leave that pair of socks for him. And you take the bad pair, the drunk pair of socks, you know, that falls down on your leg. I know. I hate drunk socks. Drunk socks are the worst. You put them on, and by the end of the day, they're like around your big toe. What's that all about? And so you close the door, you close the drawer. And you're like, all right. And that's you walking in the spirit. Spirit prompts, ooh, 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 ooh. I don't want that. That's the spirit. That's the oh, I'm going to leave it for, for him. I'm going to leave that, that pair of socks for him. That's you walking by the spirit. And we've all had this happen. We've also had it happen when you're like, ooh, that's my favorite pair of socks. Yeah, but your brother likes that too. And you're like, oh, but it's so cold out. I'll let him wear them next week. You know, and you put them on. That's you not walking by the spirit. I'm just saying. Okay, that's what it looks like. Simple illustration. The Spirit leads us by creating desires to obey God, and we walk by fulfilling those desires and actions. This explains then, this doesn't explain, I'm going to explain it to you in a minute. This, again, this is John Piper's sermon, divided in half, okay? 
And, you, and some of you don't know who John Piper is. You probably think he's like a pastor down the street. We go back and forth. Tell people that. Alien, my pastor knows John Piper. He steals his sermons all the time. He's like some big wig or whatever. I steal his sermons all the time. But I just say it so that I don't get in trouble with Jesus. Okay, so Piper's church obviously understands because he writes, this explains then why we are not under the law as verse 18 says. Huh? How does that explain that we're not under the law? It does it to me. I do a little research. If you are led by the Spirit, i.e., led by him to obey the law, then you are not under the law. You need me to explain that, don't you? Uh Uh-huh. So I get paid the big money. All right, so the Ten Commandments, originally, ten laws given to God's people. For what purpose? To make it feel bad? No, to bring freedom. God's law was originally created to bring freedom. So there was 10 of them, 10 laws. You could count them. You could understand them. You knew what they meant. And God said, I want you to be loyal to me. You're not going to be able to fulfill all these, so we have sacrifices to take care of that. But anyway, God's law was created to bring freedom, to bring life to the full, okay? If, if God's people followed him. But they didn't follow him. You know why they didn't follow him? Because man, the Pharisees added 613 other laws to it. You imagine going from 10 to 613? Like, and there are crazy laws. Like, insanely, you couldn't follow them all. I mean, we couldn't follow 10. How could we follow 613? 613 new laws to follow. And so what happened with the law is, instead of bringing freedom and joy in the Lord, instead of bringing life to the full and following and being under Yahweh, they, were, they became a burden. The law became oppressive, became burdensome, and it weighted down the nation of Israel to where they were just, they couldn't do it, they knew they couldn't do it, and they felt guilty all the time, and they felt condemned all the time. And so what's happening here is Paul's saying, look, guys, look, if you're walking by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There's no way you could be under the law if you're walking by the Spirit. Because if you're walking by the Spirit, if you're being led by the Spirit... The law is no longer in effect for you. It doesn't, it's not in effect because you can't walk by the Spirit and the freedom that the Spirit brings and still be under the law. You just can't do it. I'm still explaining. I know you're not with me yet. Let's go to Romans real quick, all right? This is Romans 8, 1 to 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's no condemnation. You're not condemned anymore when you're under the law, okay, if you're in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life, here you see contrast again, the law of the Spirit leads to life, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What did the other law, what did it cause? It caused, the consequence for breaking it was death. We remained in sin. We couldn't do it on our own. Again, Paul's contrast is, for God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh, us, what we couldn't do, God did for us. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in the likeness of us, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. You're no longer powerful over the people that are in me. You're no longer able to hurt or control or cause people to death anymore. I condemn you. I've paid the price that my father's law required. I've come to fulfill the law. And anyone who is in me now is no longer under the law. All right? By sending his own son, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be, might be fulfilled in us. Okay? So the, the, the requirements of the law would be fulfilled in us. How? 
those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under the condemnation of the law. You're not under the penalty of the sin, of the law. You're no longer affected by the law because Christ has fulfilled it. You're in Christ. And Paul says, if you are walking according to the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. Now, now that's important theologically because what we're going to find out is that that's one of the realities that happens whenever we walk by the Spirit. This, This truth, theological truth, is fulfilled. Now, the second thing that happens whenever we come under the Spirit, or we, come, we walk according to the Spirit, is that we realize that what the law used to cause in us no longer happens. What does the law cause you to feel? Guilt. I suck. I'm horrible. I can't quit looking at that. I can't keep doing that. I'm horrible at this. I got to do this. I just got I just to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I got to work harder. I got to do better. That's not, working. That's not being walking by the Spirit. But one of the things the law does is it condemns you. It makes you feel guilty. But Christ is saying, no, you have no reason to feel that way anymore. You are free from the law. So listen to this principle. This is going to whammy you. This is going to change your life right here. Remember, it's John Piper, not me. If you feel guilt, if you feel condemnation, you can't be walking by the Spirit. By definition. If you are feeling guilty in your life for not doing certain Christian behaviors, if you're feeling condemned in your life, like I stink, or I'm not good enough to be a Christian, God wouldn't want me. You can't, there's no way you could be walking by the Spirit. No possible way. Now that is so important because that becomes a litmus test to how you're allowing the Spirit to lead you and how you're choosing to live. And we see this principle, this reality. Walking by the Spirit frees us theologically from being under the law. Walking by the Spirit frees us in reality of being motivated by guilt, being condemned, and feeling bad about ourselves all the time. Because in Christ, as we walk by the Spirit, we are free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When you're being led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, there are no feelings of burden. There's no guilt. Freedom is what we feel when we are becoming like Christ, doing the ministry of Christ. And what happens next, we see in verses 19 to 24, we'll find an expression, a specific expression in a minute. But it confirms this idea of walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being the work of Christ. So is the fruit of the Spirit. In these verses, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, verses 22 and 23. The opposite of doing works of the flesh is bearing fruit of the Spirit. That's exactly the same contrast we saw in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, is what Paul says. The works of the flesh are what you do when you gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is what appears in your life when you walk by the Spirit. So why did Paul, why didn't he say the works of the flesh and the work of the Spirit right here? Why did he say fruit of the Spirit?
I think the reason is because Paul wants us to avoid giving any impression that the Spirit produces in us work. What the Spirit produces is not about our work. What the Spirit produces is about God's work, about what God is doing in us. What we do when we walk by the Spirit is simply fulfill the desires produced by the Spirit. And what better way to describe the ease of following our strongest desires than to say it's like having fruit pop up in our life, in our attitude, in our actions. You get that? That's why Paul says fruit, because it's not our work. It just pops up. You can't make fruit happen in your life. As you're led by the Spirit, you then walk by the Spirit, and then fruit of the Spirit just pops up. And you probably experienced that. You hated someone for a long time, and you start finding yourself starting to like them, and then you like downright love them, and you almost don't like it. That's the work of the Spirit. It is. It's one of the biggies, love. Just real quick, I want to give this example. Love your neighbor. Paul uses one of the, the greatest, you know, the biggie here, you know, walking by the Spirit. The first one is basically a loving behavior. You should love. All these behavior, behaviors, all the fruit of the Spirit leads us to love people. The first thing mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit, again, he says this. You were called, I mean, to love. And then earlier in verse 13, I'm sorry, back up. Verses 13 and 14, he says this right here. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an occasion for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul emphasizes this reality in the context of being a fruit of the Spirit because there's a crucial difference in the way most of us go about loving our neighbor and the way Paul is teaching us to love our neighbor. If we are all told, you should love your neighbor, what would we do? We'd like set up a chart on how to do it. Okay, on Monday I'm going to go bring them some like something, something, and then I'm going to make a dessert for something, something, and then I'm going to wait, set my alarm when they go to work. I'm going to happen to walk out and get my newspaper like, what up, G neighbor, I love you. And you're going to create a system on how to love your neighbor. And so what happens when your neighbor comes to Jesus? Ooh, look at my system. I'm going to make a book about my system and put my system out there and make some money. I mean, I'm going to give it all to Jesus, but still, we would allow the fruit of the Spirit to be something that we could manage and we would, we would control. But Paul doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. And he tells us in, in, 13, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, if I give away all that I have, And if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Nothing. It's possible to undertake and to become the most sacrificial person in the world and account for nothing. It's possible that you give away everything that you have for God, for his kingdom, and account for nothing if you don't love. You can become a martyr, and if you don't love, it counts for nothing. That's pretty harsh. That's pretty tough. I mean, God does not want us in any way, shape, or form to get attention, to get the glory. He wants that. And that only happens when we learn to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, so that we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The great problem of modern Christian living or developing as a disciple is not learning the right things to do, but learning how to do things right. That's what we're after, learning how to do things right. We need to learn, folks, 
to love by the Spirit, to give by the Spirit, to experience joy by the Spirit, to find peace, to give peace by the Spirit, become kind and generous and good people by the Spirit. And what that looks like for each of us will be very different. And there are no books, there are no formulas, there's nothing you can do to make it happen in your life. You have to approach God humbly and say, Lord, I want your desires, these desires in my life to increase so much that I can't help but do these things to other people. Outside on the table, I said there's no formulas, and there's not. But I have five steps. (laughs) Five steps that will help you get your heart in the right place to allow this kind of work to occur in your life. I gave you a few of them two weeks ago. I'm not even going to go through them because when you read them, they're they're very clear. Again, John Piper did them. And basically, well, you know, it's basically just acknowledging, man, I, there's nothing good in me. I'm going to go through them. And then the next one is praying. It's believing. Okay, acknowledging. There's nothing good in me. There's nothing good in me. There's nothing good that I can do. Any good desire I have comes from the Spirit. I can't produce a good desire. I can't produce a good action that's good. If I'm producing it, it's not good. It's not me being led by the Spirit, Lord. It's got to come from you. And the second one is just praying. All right, you promised to put a new heart in me then I'm going to expect it to happen. I'm going to pray for it to happen. I'm going to say, Lord, make it happen. I want a new heart. I want to desire the things. I want your desires to flow up from within me. Please, Lord, please make that happen. And the gospel, again, this is, I'm explaining the process of the gospel getting bigger in your life. The work of the cross extending now to new, new places that it's never extended before in your life. And the third thing is trusting. We must believe that since we've come under God's law or that we're not condemned by God's law any longer, that he really is in the process of working this out in us. He's really, that we're really out from underneath this, this condemnation, that we really are capable, each of us, of doing the work of Jesus Christ that he's come to do and furthering his kingdom, that God can use me to do that, that God can make my heart like his, that I can love like Jesus. I can be gentle like Jesus. I can be passionate for the Father like Jesus. I can worship. It's believing that. I've been forgiven. I pray, Lord, please give me a new heart. I am, step number three, I am worthy. I know this because I'm new in Christ. I'm righteous in Christ. I'm covered by Christ. I'm walking by the Spirit. I desire to walk by the Spirit. And then it's to listen. Don't start reading books about this. You listen. And you act on what God says to do. You listen to his leading and act on what you know is right. Leaving the sock, taking the drunk one. Leaving the things, allowing the promptings of the spirit to rise up and control your behavior and then walking in the spirit. And then the result is you'll see fruit. You'll see your heart change. That's four. And then five is to thank God. Lord, none of this happens without you without your spirit in my life. Those are the five steps. There's handouts on the table out there that kind of go into these with detail and scripture. And you might want to just tuck these in your Bible. When you're trying to spend time with God or you have a minute, read through them and just write down those five five things. Let's stand. And so, we'll have a time of ministry. You might want to
continue to ask God to fill you like he has been. But as God teaches us about discipleship, about what does it look like to follow him? What does it look like to become more like Jesus in our heart, internally, the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ? Also, what does it look like to be empowered by the Spirit and do the ministry of Jesus? It's always in the context of not walking in our flesh, not making it something that burdens us, not allowing the enemy to trick us into believing we're not worthy of that, but believing the truth of God's word. You're following church today. We have a small group fair. And again, we want everyone, we want every single person to sign up for, for one of those meetings. We want some of you to teach in the summer, in the fall, believing that this is a necessary process in us becoming disciples. It's filling our minds and thinking correctly about Christ, understanding the work of the Spirit better in our lives. So we're empowered by the Spirit and we're walking by the Spirit. But it's all in an effort, not so that we start to look and act the same, but that we start to look and act like Jesus looked and Jesus acted. It's what it looks like to grow into being a disciple of Christ. So maybe you want to come forward today and just ask the Lord. There's a few courses on your heart. Which one would you like for me to take, Lord? Which one do I need to find freedom in? What area of my life? Some of the courses are about the Bible, and they teach very clearly Scripture. So one course is going to walk through the whole Bible in 90 days. There's another course that it talks about the work of the Spirit, about dreams, about being empowered by the Spirit. Some of us that are new into the church, and that's new, would love for you to take those courses. And then others, you know, we're doing one on finances. It's hard to think about anything in your life if you're, Thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. How does that, how does God work that out in my life? But practical living, some's missional. We have about 15 courses. Great stuff. Go meet the people that are teaching them. Go sign up for a course with the expectation that God is teaching you to do things the right way. The Spirit desires to lead you. That you would walk and be led and produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're about, making disciples of Christ. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. If you want to come forward for physical healing, we'd love to pray for you over here by the cross. If you want to come forward to be filled more with the Spirit like we were doing earlier, we have room up here. Or if you want to come and allow God to speak to you for any reason. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit now. Again, the way we do this every week is if you're new, just we ask you to close your eyes so you're not distracted. You hold out your hands so it looks like you want a gift. You want whatever God has for you. And you never know what God's going to give. You never know what God wants to speak to you. You never know. Never. And so we're just going to stay plugged in for a second. As you leave, though, just know the fair's out there, but we'd love for you to receive prayer. Allow God to speak to you about this. We want everyone doing what God wants them to do. Not what we want them to do, but what God wants you to do. And this is where that happens. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and lead us in that. Just come, Lord. We just thank you. We thank you for the journey that you've called us to, becoming like Jesus. We pray as we seek to become like him, that we wouldn't hurt people along the way, that we wouldn't become consumed with our effort, Lord, that we wouldn't fall in love with the Bible, that we wouldn't fall in love with discipline, that we would never consider ourselves a good Christian or somebody else a good Christian, but that we would come to you wanting to be like you for your glory, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come now and protect us from the enemy and all the, the, the lies that he would love to whisper to us about this journey you've called us to. We pray, Lord, that you would humble us and bring us to a place where 
the desires in our heart, the desires of the Spirit outweigh the desires we have as human beings in our flesh. Just come, Lord, now through the power of your Spirit and fill us.